Hey, we are in our second week of the I Am season, and I'm fired up about this week. It was about last night at 10 o'clock when I realized I've got way too much for today, and I thought about editing, and then I thought it's the week before Easter. We can go in the week before Easter, right? I'll have it dialed in by Easter to 30 minutes plus a yes prayer. But hey, we're the week before Easter. We've got nothing better to do. Let's jump into the light, right? You didn't convince me. I'll just tell you. You didn't convince me, but I'm going to go in anyway. Uh, we might as well start at creation, right? If we're really going to jump in on this light, let's start Genesis 1, 2 through 3. It says, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering on the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. When God was challenging Pharaoh to set the children of Israel free and to bring his people into a space where they could worship him again, he sent 10 plagues. One of the 10 plagues was darkness. It's in Exodus 10, 21 through 23. It said, then the Lord said to Moses, lift your hand towards heaven and the land of Egypt will be covered with a darkness so thick you can feel it. So Moses lifted his hand to the sky and a deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. Verse 23, during all that time, the people could not see each other and no one moved, but there was, as usual, where the people of Israel lived. As the children of Israel fled slavery, went through the parting of the Red Sea, entered into the wilderness, God led them by light with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night in Exodus chapter 13. When they made it out of slavery and they made it through the wilderness, they started what would become the Feast of Tabernacles and they would commemorate the light that led them. It was an eight-day festival and at the end of the eighth day of the festival, they would gather together and they had these massive pillars and they would light these pillars on fire, and the pillars would be so bright that every courtyard in the city would be lit up, and the whole thing was to commemorate the light that led the children of Israel. On July 4th, we light off fireworks to celebrate our independence. At the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, they light pillars to celebrate the light that led them. All throughout Jewish history, this is the foundation that we have to have, all throughout Jewish history, light was not illumination of day and night, it was illumination of spirit, and it was a representation of God's presence with them. We have to understand that. So they commemorate the light from Isaiah to Malachi, the major and minor prophets. One of their prophecies would continually be the light will return. In Babylonian captivity, Isaiah a number of times comes out and he says, don't worry, it may be a season of darkness right now, but the light of God's righteousness will shine again. He is saying the, the darkness that has settled into this place of captivity can only last for so long because a light is coming. Light was the presence of God, light was the leadership of God, and light was a symbol that God had returned. And then we get to the book of John. 
And in the book of John, Jesus becomes the light. He is the light. We'll come back to this here in a moment, but let's keep journeying through. Book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. So then we become the light, and we become what he is for us, embodied on the earth, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So then we become light all the way to the end. Jesus returns, Revelation 21, Revelation 22, he returns, God comes down to earth, he makes his home among man again, there's no temple in the city because God is present with his people, and Revelation 21, 23 says, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the lamb is its, you got it, let's follow the light from creation, there's a light. The children of Israel are saved by the light. They are led by the light. The light returns in the form of Jesus. We become the light, and when Jesus returns, the light shines again. The only thing throughout the narrative of Scripture that can extinguish darkness is the light. We have to have the light. Jewish history understood this far more intimately than we do. We have to have a light that leads us. There is nothing on this earth that can resolve the problem of darkness in our souls, in culture, wherever you see that darkness may be existing. There's nothing that can extinguish it outside of the light of Jesus Christ. I grew up uh, in the woods. Our, I told you our first home was a trailer in the back part of this family property, and then we moved into this rented farmhouse with no heat. We had just a wood-burning stove in there, and uh, we did things that you do in the, in the wilderness, right? Uh, my dad and his drinking buddies one time, they thought it'd be really funny to send me, I have two older brothers, to send me and my two older brothers on a mission. He said, you boys want to go on a mission? We were like, yeah, Dad, yeah. How do we do it? And they said, okay. No guns, no weapons allowed. Are you up for the task? We said, yeah. They said, all right. You boys are going snipe hunting tonight. <laughs> Anyone been snipe hunting? Anybody been snipe hunting? I said, you boys are going snipe hunting. We're like, yeah, we're ready. And he said, okay. He said, but you all need to be ready because these things, they're like squirrels, only bigger. And they got bigger eyes. And they have no tails and neon streaks that run down their back. And they fly. And they got teeth like sharks. You got to be really quick when these snipes come out. And we're like, okay. And he said, you can only catch them at night. You can only do it and when it's dark outside. They don't come out during the day. They only come out at night. And you'll never see them. But usually they hide behind trees. So you just have to jump behind the tree and try to catch the snipe. And we're like, okay, Dad, we got it. We set off on the mission. They were like, go, oh, boys, come on back and bring us some snipes. And we're running and we're diving behind trees. One of my brothers was like, I got one, I got one, I got one. We're like, no, 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 no. Like, he didn't have anything. He's like an acorn or something, but he thought he had a snipe, right? It's biting me, it's biting me. We're like, no, Jeff, you're lying. But what happened was, after about three hours of my dad and his friends laughing the entire time, I looked over and I, I kind of came to the conclusion, this isn't real. There's something that's not adding up about this. They're having way too much fun. They were drinking, but I mean, they're, they're having way too much fun 
and way too little of results. And then I started thinking to myself, you know the only way, they kept saying over and over again, the only way you can hunt snipes is in the darkness. The only way you can hunt snipes is in the dark. It has to be completely dark, and you'll never see them. You just have to try to anticipate them. You know the only place that lies can thrive is in darkness. The only place that lies can thrive is in darkness. The only place that fantasy can enhance your life is in darkness because in reality it will destroy your life. The only place an affair is a good idea is in a secret because once it comes out, it wrecks everything. The only place that an addiction can help you is in secret because when it comes out and when it expresses itself and when it begins to destroy relationships and it costs you your career and it costs you your relationship with your children, all of a sudden you realize what was in darkness may have been thriving only because it was in darkness. That's why Jesus continually declares to the Pharisees that are challenging him, you have to have light to extinguish the darkness. That is the tension of the biblical narrative is in darkness, lies thrive. In darkness, sin thrives. But when you turn the lights on, it changes everything. Let's jump back in now to the book of John. In the book of John, we build this whole foundation, if you will, on the backdrop of Jewish history. So you get it, right? John is a book written to show Jesus is Lord, but it's, it's uniquely Jewish in nature. And you have to understand this Jewish history of light. When Jesus mentions light, when they talk about light, when John the Baptist is the witness of the light, they are not thinking sun. They are not thinking flashlight. They are not thinking fire. They are thinking God. So listen, John 1, 4 through 10 says, the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought Oh, come on. Don't drift on me yet. We got a long ways to go. Brought light to everyone. I'll give you one more shot. The, there you go, shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. So we open up the book of John with the light is coming. John the Baptist is the front runner and he is, he is sharing about the light, but he is not the light. The light will soon come and it will extinguish darkness, but people will not recognize him. John 1 verse 14 says, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. That is the Greek word skinu. It means to tabernacle within us. It means light came down, Jesus came down, and he went from, the, the whole, the, the meeting of God went from a place to a person, and that person entered us. So the light has now come down. John 1, verse 14, it says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So the light has arrived. The same light that was hovering over all of creation and extinguished darkness, the same light that led the children of Israel, the same light that filled the temple is now the light of Jesus Christ that is here on 
earth. In John chapter 3, Jesus is witnessing to Nicodemus, and he shares his famous verse, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and after that, he says, and if you don't believe, you stand condemned because you don't believe, and then John 3, 19 through 21, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So John establishes in the very beginning of his, his book, he establishes that Jesus is the light. Jesus has come. It was the light from the very beginning. Is the light now that has come. And the problem is people are not recognizing this light. They are rather choosing to live in darkness than to walk in this light. That lands us in John chapter 8. Now we're ready. Are you ready? Okay, they bring an adulteress caught in an affair. She's caught in the middle of sleeping with a man. They drag her out. They bring her before Jesus, and they say to Jesus, what are you going to do with her? They wanted Jesus to condemn her to death, but instead, Jesus flips it back on them. He exposes her sins. He says, he who is not guilty cast the first stone. Many believe he started writing their sins in the dirt in front of them, and they're all standing there being completely exposed. And then John 8, verse 12, here it is. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. If you've read your study guide, you know, what do you think the Pharisees did? Questioned him. They doubted him. They were like, who is this guy claiming to be the light? And how can he claim to be the light? So Jesus steps up into the place of teaching in the synagogue, and he begins teaching even more. And he's sitting there contradicting everything that they say. And then finally, he gets in this John, at the end of, or the middle of John chapter 8, he gets in this argument with them. And he goes, it's this Father Abraham argument. He says, Jesus says, my father has given me all authority. The Pharisees responded, well, our father is Abraham. Jesus responded back, well, then do what your father Abraham would do. He would recognize me. To that they responded, he's demon-possessed. This man has lost his mind. Jesus comes back at them now after that in John 8, 56 through 59. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. In other words, he's saying, your father can be Abraham. That's great. He would know who I am. He would know that I'm the light. And then he continues on. Verse 57, the people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you've seen Abraham? Verse 58. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. What did he just say? 
You remember last week. You remember Exodus chapter 3. You remember God declared himself as the I am, Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton. He becomes the, it becomes his name that ensembled all of his righteousness and all of his glory. And in Jewish history, what did they know the I am to be? That was God. That was the unspeakable name of God. That was the, the God who led us by light. That was the God who gave darkness to Egypt and kept us in the light. That was the God. God who we commemorated on the Feast of the Day of Tabernacles with the light. We know who the I am is, and Jesus just said, that's me. I'm God. I am. I was in the beginning with God. Remember, the word was in the beginning with God. He's saying, that's me. They even knew it. They knew it so much they wanted to kill him. Listen to verse 59. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Little bit further, I promise you, we're building something. John chapter 9. So Jesus is now hidden in the temple. John chapter 9, he's walking casually through the temple and he encounters this blind man. John 9, 1 through 5. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Sounds a lot like the friends of Job. What did this guy do to deserve this, right? Verse three, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. What is, why is this happening? Why is he blind? So that the power of God can be revealed. What is this power of God? Let's keep going. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by, one, by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then Jesus takes some mud, he spits in it, makes a paste, puts it on the man's eyes, tells him to wash his face in the pool of Siloam. He washes his face in the pool of Siloam and he was blind, but now he can see. And the light of the world is revealed again. So this man is now walking around with sight and the Pharisees question him. Not once, but twice they come to him and they're like, what is going on? You keep saying this man gave you sight, but who really gave you sight? And he finally fires back at him and he says, look, I don't know what you want me to say. Here's what I do know. I was blind, but now I see. And he says, what, do you, why are you so curious? Do you want to be his disciples? Do you want to follow him? Jesus hears this exchange going on, and he jumps in in John 9, 35 through 41. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Verse 37, the irony, the irony, you have seen him. The blind man can now see him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. This is one of my favorite exchanges. So the Pharisees were standing nearby, heard him, and they asked, you saying we're blind? <laughs> hey, hey, you saying we're blind? Is that what you're saying? Listen to Jesus. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim 
you can see. Isn't that wild? Jesus said, no, you're not, you're not blind. Listen, your guilt in here today is not your life before Christ. Your guilt in here today is not the rap sheet of sin that you acquired before you gave your heart to Jesus. Your guilt in here today is after you've seen the light and continuing in that stuff. That's the guilt. He's saying, look, you're, you're not, you wouldn't be guilty if you were blind. The problem is you can see. The problem is you're looking right at me and you're following the wrong light. Listen to me, I got bad news for every single one of us in here. By the end of this, you are clearly gonna know who the light is. So now you have a choice because you're no longer blind. You're not blind anymore. You don't have the excuse of walking around saying, well, I didn't know. I had no idea. No, you did, you just chose to follow the wrong light. That's it. You can see. I'm not calling you blind. Jesus says to the Pharisees, no, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you're guilty because you see. I was driving one time in an area that I was super unfamiliar with, and I had a bunch of friends in the car, and I pulled up to this stoplight, and, and I stopped at the stoplight, and you know, I was just, I wasn't on my phone or anything. I was just zoning, and I was looking at, and I saw the light turn green, so I hit my gas, and when I hit the gas, I heard these cars honking and swerving, like flying around me. There were still cars coming through the intersection. My friends were screaming, what are you doing? So I slammed on my brakes, threw it in reverse, backed back up again, and I said, the light turned green, and they said, dude, that's the next light. This one's still red. I was looking at the wrong lights. Have you ever done that? Anybody else? Come on, don't leave me hanging. Any, thank you, Tabitha, right? It's easy to do. Like, whoa, I didn't realize it. I thought it was, I was following the wrong light and it nearly killed me. That's what happens when we follow the wrong light. It leads us deeper into a cesspool of darkness where all of a sudden we find ourselves trying to claw out and we're asking ourselves, what is happening? What is going on? Jesus comes to banish that darkness. All right, are you ready? Wow, I told you I had too much. Didn't realize it was this much. Okay, three, three beliefs that we can establish from light. Are you ready? Three beliefs. We'll, we'll run through them quickly. From Genesis to Revelation and the book of John, we have just built a theology of light. We understand what light is. We understand what it was to the Jews. We understand what it was prophesied as the minor and major prophets. We understand who became the light. We understand who becomes the light. We see the light. We are no longer under the excuse that I haven't seen the light. The light is shown on us and now we make a choice. Here we go. Number one, light brings life. Thank you so much. We spent 25 minutes introducing light and we understand it brings life. The only life that you can have that will live into eternity is the light that Jesus brings. John 8 verse 12, that's what he was saying when he said, I am the light of the world. How does he follow it up? If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. John 12, 46. He says, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who have put their trust in me will no longer remain 
in the dark. John 1, 4, it says, the word gave life to everyone that was created, and his life brought light. Light brings life. It brings us back to life. It is the saving light. What did Jesus say to the blind man? He said to him, do you want to believe? The blind man said, yeah, I want to. And he said, what do I do? And he said, you're looking at him. You see him. It's right in front of your face. The light brings life. We, in my house, we love kids' melatonin gummies. Anybody else? Praise God on kids. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Kids' melatonin gummies. They're game changer. And it, when my parents, it was just a, a half a tablet of Benadryl. <laughs> kind of realized that's not as healthy anymore, right? So now it's, it's kids' melatonin gummies, and we are all about them, man. That is how we are sleeping peacefully at night, and I praise God for them. Our family loves them so much that my daughter Zion thought they were candy. She decided on her own one evening to sneak up into the closet. She climbed up on her dresser up to a shelf. I mean, these things were put way away, a shelf way above my head, but she's, she's so smart. She climbs up, gets a hold of them, gets the bottle open. I don't know how. It's one of those press and turns, right? And she eats 30 of them. <laughs> right? That's your reaction. You should have seen my wife. <laughs> You find this empty bottle of brand new melatonin gummies and Zion's walking around going, like, I mean, she was gone, like totally gone. We're like, uh, we, we honestly freaked out. It really scared us. We called poison control. We talked to poison control and they said something that was super interesting. They said, melatonin is a hormone that your body produces to make you tired. And when you supplement it, your body just, it gives your body more melatonin to make you tired. And they said, the way to get it out of your system is to leave her in the light. Because they, I mean, think about it. They said when, you, when the lights are up and bright, you can't fall asleep because it's, it's capturing the melatonin and it's pulling it out of your body. So they said, keep the lights on and keep her in the light. So that's what we, I'm like literally standing there with a flashlight. I'm like, look at me. And she's like, <laughs> and finally what happened is we kept all the lights on and we kept her in the light and she came back to life. <laughs> Praise God, right? That's us. That's us. Listen, that is the story of the light. When we come into the light, it gives us life, eternal life, saving life through Jesus. We have to understand, number one, light gives life. If you feel like you are drowning in darkness, there is a light that gives you life. Number two, not only does light give us life, but light disting extinguishes darkness. Over and over and over again. He says he doesn't stop at light saves you, but light saves you, and then light gets rid of the darkness that is within you. Listen to John 3, 18 through 21. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. 
for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. I love Colossians 1, 11 through 13. It says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy Always thanking the Father, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. Canaan and I, for Mother's Day one year, we really hit it out of the ballpark. We went to Home Depot to go Mother's Day shopping. I won't say we were running errands and remembered it was Mother's Day weekend, but we were, you know, we we went to Home Depot, and while we were there, we saw this beautiful orchid that was there, just just beautiful plant. It looked, I was like, that's Mother's Day right there, right, bud? And he was like, oh, yeah, Dad, yeah, Dad, that's a win, that's a win. So we buy this orchid, and we bring it home, and we give it to Anna with a card and flowers and chocolates and all this stuff, and she loves it. What I didn't realize is this ridiculous plant needed like 18 hours of sunlight a day. So we, were, we found ourselves literally rotating this thing around the entire house. Like in the morning, it would be in the very front with the windows open on the kitchen table because that's where the light shines through. But then the sun would be over the house. We'd have to move it to the side and we'd have to open up those windows. And then in the evening, it sets behind our house. So we'd move it out to the back and we'd open up that window. And we were constantly moving this thing into the light. And guess what happened? It started to bloom and it started to look beautiful and it started started to grow, and we were getting all excited about it, and then we got busy, I got lazy, we forgot about it on the kitchen table, and a week later it was dead. That's us. That is the light extinguishing darkness. The concentration of our soul should be, I need to get as much light as I possibly can. I need to move my spirit into the light. I need to move my spirit into the light every day. I need to be in the word. I need to be in prayer. I need to be worshiping. I need to gather together as a church to be in the light. What are we doing right now? We are shining as a radiant light. What do we do in groups? We shine as a radiant light. Why is it important to be in community so you can be with light? Why do we walk with God daily so we can be in the light? And when we stop moving our spirit into the light, that's when things change. I will tell you, been doing this for 20 years, the times where I get extremely concerned are when I see empty seats and I know who sits there. Or when I look out and I see empty seats and I know who sits there because I haven't seen them in two months. I haven't seen them in three months. They quit texting me. I don't talk to them on the phone anymore. And then invariably what happens, almost like clockwork, I'll get a text message, hey, I'm going through a divorce. I get a phone call, hey man, my life's falling apart. Hey man, I'm in big trouble. Why? Because we quit moving ourselves into the light. 
we, we started to get back away from the light and slowly darkness began to crept in and darkness began to step into our, our home. It began to step into our mind. It began to step into our heart. And all of a sudden, this darkness got to be so much that I was afraid to go back into the light for fear of, what does he say? Our sins would be exposed. But yet, when we step into the light, it extinguishes darkness. One of the best spiritual disciplines to do to extinguish darkness is confession. Confession, growing in confession. I love Tyler Staten as an author I love. He wrote about this and he said, a shame in church culture is this, that we believe the more mature we grow in the Lord, the less we should confess. The idea is we don't have, I'm, I'm more spiritual now, I'm closer to Jesus now, therefore I should have to confess my sins less, right? No, it's the exact opposite. When you grow in spiritual maturity, you should become more and more and more familiar with your brand of brokenness. You should become more familiar, not less familiar, with the sinful nature of your heart. And that is something that you should constantly confess before the Lord. Confession is shining the light. I will tell you, I know far more about my sinful heart at 37 than I did at 21. Way more. At 21, I was acting like an idiot and didn't know why. It's like, what is wrong with, I don't know, I, do, I, I was Paul in Romans chapter 7, the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing, what is wrong with me, right? Now, I know exactly the depravity of my heart. I know exactly what's wrong with it. I know what I have to bring before the Lord daily and say, Lord, give me peace here. Lord, remove every frustration and anger here. Lord, help me to yield to your spirit daily. I confess to you, I have the ability to get a little fired up. I have the ability to get a little intense. And Lord, I just lay that before your feet and I confess it before you. Would your light illuminate my soul? Would your light illuminate my spirit? That's the, that is the practice of confession. Mature you get, the more you should confess. The mature you get, the more you should be bringing your soul continually into the light. So light saves us. Light extinguishes the darkness within us. And when those two things happen, the third happens. We become the light. So when the light has saved me, when the light has extinguished my darkness and it's cleaned up the depravity of my soul and it, is, it has redeemed me and refreshed me in a walk of righteousness, then I become the light. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Skip down to verse 16. He says, let your light shine before others. Philippians 2, 14 through 15. He says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. He says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, for you are children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness of night. So what happens? 
Light saves me. Light gives me life. Light cleanses me. And the more I move my spirit into the light and I stay in the light, the more I am transformed and the more my soul is illuminated and the more I overcome the darkness that's coming at me. And when those two things are happening, then I become the light. I start radiating the light and I start sharing and I start shining the light. There was a long time ago, anybody remember those, those um, glow-in-the-dark stars that you can buy, right? You know what I'm talking about? You, you, there's like a little putty that comes with them and you stick them all over your ceiling, right? We thought it would be funny to do that to Canaan's room. We thought he would love it. And so we bought them. We got to the house. We got the putty. We, I mean, it was an astrologist's dream, right? We had just every constellation you can imagine. We put them all over. It took me like two hours to get them all stuck to the top of his room. And then we called him up to his room. We're like, buddy, come in here. Check this out. And he comes in and we close the blind. We close the curtains. We got ready. We closed his door. And we're like, okay, three, two, one. Nothing. Nothing. We're, I was like, no, I could have never trusted Dollar General. I should have known that. What was I thinking, right? Look in there, there's absolutely nothing. Get the package. On the package, it says they need to be charged first. So I got a flashlight, I got on a ladder, and I, I literally went around to a hundred of these things stuck all over, and for one minute, held a flashlight on it, held a flashlight on it, held a flashlight on it, and then all of a sudden, when it was all done, we called him back up again, we brought him into the room, we shut the blinds, closed the curtains, closed the door, flipped the switch, and guess what? beautiful. It was a starry night. It, was it looked incredible, but they had to be charged first. That's what happens to us. Understand this. You have to be charged first, and once your soul is charged up, and once your soul receives the light that brings life, and once your soul stays before the light, and you're confessing, and you're walking with the Lord, and you're constantly putting yourself in the light, guess what? You're going to look different in the break room than everybody else. You're going to look different in the dorm than everybody else. You're going to look different in the classroom than everybody else. You're going to look different at home than everybody else because a light has risen up in you. It has saved you. It has cleansed you. And now it is shining through you. That's what the light of the world is. <laughs> 